The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Gosh, look at all the stars. No city lights. Yeah, well, give me Times Square any day. There's a curfew. And someone's breaking it. Please, I didn't do anything. I have a wife. I have a family. No. Oh. All right, come on. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, November twenty-sixth, twenty twenty. I'm Bob Metz. And this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. So if you haven't heard yet, the province of Ontario is in another COVID-19 lockdown. We are being ruled, not governed, by monsters and sociopaths who should all be given life sentences for the unconscionable state-control fascism that they are all foisting upon us. Oh man, I feel a rant coming on, so before I lose it entirely, don't forget that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at www.justrightmedia.org where you can access all of Just Right's social media links and our archived broadcasts. And as always, your financial support is appreciated and put to good use. In today's censorious climate, voices on the right come at a premium, to say the least. Now, I suppose you could say that there are two herd phenomenon at play with the current COVID lockdown campaign. One pertains to the natural herd immunity acquired by those who possess the SARS-CoV-2 virus, which was considered to be our objective back in March and April. And the other pertains to the herd mentality of a public made utterly submissive to people who have no right whatsoever to force them to do some of the most irrational and stupid things you could possibly imagine. These lockdowns are a lose-lose proposition no matter how you look at it. And that's why Doug Ford and all who support his evil lockdown measures are not only losers, but immoral and evil as well. I'm sorry, that's the only way I can describe it. All of our mainstream politicians are completely committed to fascism as a cure for a medical condition. And that's because fascism is the only tool that fascists know. And therefore, they apply it to every issue. Doug Ford carries the title of Premier of the province of Ontario, but he's no Premier. He's not even number one in any way, shape, or form. In fact, he seems rather low on the ladder of authority in this province. Ford is no leader. He is a follower and proudly boasts that fact at every press conference by reminding us that he always defers to the medical experts on COVID-19 lockdowns. This he uses as an example of leadership. And I think that more people need to hear what he has to say firsthand. So without wasting another minute, I want to go right to our first audio bite and bumper break early because I've got a lot to say upon our return. So be forewarned, because in my opinion, just about every word you're about to hear for the next 10 minutes or so is pure BS. 
We're about to hear a portion of a news conference held last Friday, November 20th, featuring Ontario Premier Doug Ford on this side of our upcoming bumper and Ontario Minister of Health Christine Elliott on the return side of the bumper. So for those of you who may be wondering what blatant fascism looks and sounds like, what you're about to hear is a living demonstration. Nearly 80% of the cases reported over the past few days are from regions now in the red control zone. My friends, I've been clear on this. The situation is extremely serious. And further action is required to avoid the worst case scenario, where the rate of the community spread is greatest, the risk to our schools, our long-term care homes, hospitals is the greatest. We cannot put in class learning at risk. We can't risk widespread outbreaks in our long-term care homes. We cannot risk overwhelming our hospitals. To protect our most vulnerable, to protect what matters most, we have to get the community spread under control. Since September, following the advice of our health experts, we've taken incremental steps. We've taken decisive action to slow the spread by introducing public health restrictions, increasing testing and contact tracing and enforcement. At the same time, we've invested billions of dollars to increase capacity in our healthcare system. These steps, they've helped thanks to our collective efforts. We've saved lives, but this virus, it spreads like wildfire. Last week, our modeling showed that if nothing was done, we could face 6,000 new daily cases in the coming weeks, overwhelming our ICUs shortly after that. More deaths, more losses, but we can avoid this if we take further action now. So after extensive consultation with the Chief Medical Officer of Health and the Public Health Measures Table, effective Monday, November 23rd at 12.01 a.m., Toronto and Peel will be moved into lockdown. My friends, I know these past few months have been extremely difficult. COVID fatigue is setting in on all of us but I've seen the strength of our people. And it's up to each and every one of us to determine our future, to write the next chapter of our history. And we all have a part to play. We must all rally around our businesses and our neighbors right now. We will spare no expense to support these businesses. I've directed that up to $600 million in relief be made available immediately to help these businesses with fixed costs, including help with their hydro bills and property taxes. Businesses can apply today for this relief and for PPE grant at Ontario.ca slash COVID support. And together as a province, we can all make a difference. Please shop local. If you're shopping online, I know it can be easy just to go with Amazon, but please remember that you can buy the exact same product from a local store. Please buy from local stores. Please do your holiday shopping through curbside pickup or online stores. Support our restaurants and order takeout. And to be clear, 
grocery stores, pharmacies, big box stores will remain open safely with capacity limits. So please folks, avoid panic buying right now. I'm going to repeat that. Please avoid panic buying right now. There's no need to buy more than you need for a week or two. But my friends, I have faith. Ontario will weather through this storm together. Please look out for each other. Please stick together. Because in this darkest hour, we see what we're made of. We see what we can endure. And we will endure, we will persevere, and we will get through this. Thank you, and God bless the people of Ontario. Thank you, Premier, and good afternoon. Our top priority has always been the health and well-being of all Ontarians. Despite the range of public health measures and restrictions that have been in place since early October, we've seen the situation continue to worsen in regions across the province, particularly in hotspots like Peel and Toronto. It's clear more needs to be done to limit community transmission of COVID-19 so that we can keep our schools open, safeguard our health system capacity, and protect our most vulnerable. Based on the recent data, and to protect the health and well-being of people and families in these communities, Peel Public Health and Toronto Public Health will be moving to lockdown effective Monday, November 23rd at 12.01 a.m. No indoor private gatherings will be permitted with anyone outside your household. Individuals who live alone may have close contact with one other household. Outdoor gatherings will be limited to a maximum of 10 people. Retail stores providing non-essential services in shopping malls can operate through pickup or delivery. Non-essential storefront retail can stay open for curbside pickup or delivery only. Restaurants must close indoor dining, but may stay open for takeout and delivery. Religious services and weddings will be restricted to 10 people indoors and 10 people outdoors. Gyms, sports facilities, cinemas, casinos, museums, and personal services must close. Manufacturing, agriculture, supply chain, and most construction can continue. These measures are being put in place to prioritize the essential services we rely on. Schools will remain open. Childcare will remain open. Grocery stores, pharmacies, doctors and dentists offices, and other essential services will remain open with capacity limits. In addition, for regions in the red control level, the limit for all organized public events and social gatherings has been reduced to five people indoors and 25 people outdoors. And to further support public health unit regions, we are making additional enforcement mechanisms available to local medical officers of health by amending Ontario Regulation 950 under the Provincial Offences Act. This amendment will allow tickets to be issued if public health measures set by the local medical officer of health are not followed. We will also work with the Chief Justice of Ontario to create an order establishing a set fine of $750 to any ticket issued. I know this is not where we wanted to be, 
but our government and Ontarians have risen to the challenge before, and I know we can do it again. And with the recent news about the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, there's light at the end of the tunnel. But now more than ever, everyone must follow the public health advice and adhere to restrictions in your region. The words we just heard from Christine Elliott are both immoral and unconscionable. I can think of no emergency whatever, from the threat of nuclear war to the threat of an imminent asteroid about to strike the Earth, that would justify any of the actions being advocated and undertaken by Ontario's progressive Conservative Party. Shame on her. Shame on Doug Ford. Shame on the entire Ontario government and all of our municipal politicians. Jeez. When Elliot said, Our government and Ontarians have risen to the challenge before, and I know we can do it again, I couldn't help but be reminded of a tweet by actor Kevin Sorbos that was brought to my attention, and I'm paraphrasing here, quote, If the first lockdown was a success, then why do we need a second one? If the first lockdown was a failure, then why do we need a second one? End quote. And I'd like to see someone from the Ford administration try to answer that double-barreled question. However, to answer that question, I will refer you to David Freiheit, whose Viva Fry YouTube videos offer wonderful insights into the world of law and legal expertise. Quote, Government is the only entity that relies on its failures to justify the expansion of its powers. End quote. Absolutely true. And that phenomenon is exactly what we're seeing at work here. And before I get back to the comments made by Doug Ford, let me, let me begin by addressing Christine Elliott's very offensive and misleading comments. Our top priority has always been the health and well-being of all Ontarians, she says. But this is simply not true. It's a lie. And it has never been true throughout this entire farce. Her very statement and actions prove it. She is sacrificing the health and well-being of all Ontarians to her political goal of trying to reduce what they keep calling case numbers. A case number is a meaningless statistic, which they fraudulently sell by saying exactly what Elliot said, quote, it's clear more needs to be done to limit community transmission of COVID-19, end quote. That's not clear. Here's what's clear. It's not physically possible to transmit COVID-19, quote, end quote. COVID-19 is a relatively rare disease that some people contract when their immunity system cannot cope with the SARS-CoV-2 virus. The virus is not the disease. The government site itself says so. It is also not true that there is a rise in the number of cases. Most of these cases have been with us and among us for the better part of a year or more. The increase in cases is a direct consequence of an increase in government testing, much of which is faulty and doesn't even isolate COVID-2 from other viruses, but which is insisted upon by a government intentionally inflating case numbers, as it has admitted to doing since the very beginning of this political farce posing as a pandemic. I understand you're now including other flu viruses in their COVID-19 case counts, but how will we ever know? The numbers are ridiculous. But even so, why aren't we celebrating instead of fearing these large case numbers? As I said at the opening of the show, instead of celebrating our herd immunity, our politicians are turning herd immunity into herd stupidity and submission. Elliot says we've seen the situation continue to worsen. What situation? She never really explicitly says, you know. Just a situation. 
She says the reason for the lockdown is, quote, so that we can keep our schools open, safeguard our health system capacity, and protect our most vulnerable, end quote. Notice that these areas of activity are all state-run institutions and all have been failing us miserably for decades. She's worried about the health care system, not your health. If you have to die to save the system, then so be it. And so it has been for thousands of untabulated and never counted victims of the shutdowns themselves. And to suggest that all of us have to be locked down and forced to wear debilitating face masks in order to protect the most vulnerable is such an absurd and offensive justification. It's beyond the pale. The government itself has been directly responsible for failing the most vulnerable. One cannot possibly protect any vulnerable person from anything by locking up millions of healthy people and closing their private businesses. What the hell is that? What kind of mental defect would come up with that kind of a solution to protecting a small group of vulnerable people? One cannot protect any vulnerable people from anything by meticulously creating arbitrary, insane, irrational, despicable, and evil regulations and fines against the broad public for choosing to freely associate with one another, for choosing to exercise their God-given rights and their constitutional freedoms. This government is obscene. My blood was just boiling as I heard her actually have the nerve to pronounce bizarre and utterly unrelated to viral spread edicts. It, it's just unbelievable. No indoor private gatherings will be permitted with anyone outside your household. How dare you? How dare you? You... Geez, i got to watch myself. Retail stores providing non-essential services and shopping malls can operate through pickup or delivery. How dare you? Restaurants must close indoor dining but can stay open for takeout and delivery. And this one, religious services and weddings will be restricted to 10 people indoors and 10 people outdoors. Why not 5 and 7? And why not 9 or 11? Or why not 22 and 41? Or why not 0 while you're at it? Gyms, sports facilities, cinemas, casinos, museums, and personal services must close. What is that about? Explain to me how that protects some vulnerable person sitting in an ICU in a hospital. How dare you? I I can't believe these words are coming out of anybody's mouth who lives in a free society. Manufacturing, agriculture, supply chain, and most construction can continue. Why? Schools can remain open. Childcare will remain open. Why? I mean, grocery stores, pharmacies, doctors and dentist offices, and other essential services will remain open with capacity limits. Capacity limits? Oh, jeez. I can't believe this garbage. It's beyond irrational. A limit for all organized public events and social gatherings has been reduced to five people indoors and 25 people outdoors. How dare you? I know why they dare this. Because they are scared crapless of the public. They don't want anybody to gather in a group because they'll talk to each other. They'll plan. They'll plan the revolution that is necessary to come. And it's got to be taken against the people who are sitting in that damn Queen's Park right now. And then there's this. Additional enforcement mechanisms made available to local medical officers. Mechanisms? You mean the use of force 
against people who are totally innocent of any wrongdoing or crime. They're only being fined because they don't agree with you and they don't agree with your fascism and they prefer to live their own lives by their own standards, not your sociopathic standards. Christine Elliott, shame on you, shame on you, shame on you. Create an order establishing a set fine of $750 to any ticket issued. Well, I suppose some people could take that both ways, couldn't they? We've seen some pretty outrageous tickets issued, like $1,202,000. So maybe some people will regard that as, a, you know, as an improvement. <laughs> but here's the point. Any tickets issued under this draconian fascism are immoral. And again, shame on you, Christine Elliott. And with the recent news about Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, there's light at the end of the tunnel, she says. And this is perhaps the most offensive statement. And it's also a warning as to the government's real agenda, eventually forcing us all to take a vaccine that everyone already has accepted will not end the pandemic. They've already told us, first of all, A, that there won't be a vaccine. They don't really expect one. And B, even if we get one, that's not going to change anything. This is all a planned perpetual forever lockdown. You can see it in every single move they make. Light at the end of the tunnel. There was light not at the end of some tunnel, but right in our midst with a host of treatments that began with the safest of all drugs, hydroxychloroquine, that is actually being denied to Canadians who want it, and other drugs like it, and also to the point of the government never advising that people take things like vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, and a few other well-known preventatives that help boost immunity. They never talk in those terms. Everything is terrorism. Hide, hide, hide. Get in your house. Cover. Get under the covers. My Lord, what kind of... These are deficient on a scale that is unimaginable. In fact, I would say that the very advice being given and forced upon us is all geared to make us even sicker and more vulnerable to viruses and infections. That's all I'm seeing. I'm not seeing any health considerations at work here at all. Shame on Christine Elliott. I could never do to others what she's so willing and eager to do to us. You have to be a sociopath to even be able to think in such terms. And then there's Doug Ford. Like Elliott, the priority is the government and the institutions that the government runs. Schools, our long-term care homes, hospitals, all government-run institutions where... All the risk is the greatest because it's run by government. In-class learning, long-term care homes, overwhelming our hospitals, Ford says. My friends, I've been clear on this. The situation is extremely serious. Yeah, the situation he's causing. COVID-19 is not the situation. Government lockdowns are the only issue. And yes, that issue is extremely serious. And like Elliot, Ford argues, to protect the most vulnerable, to protect what matters most, all this false altruism, we have to get the community spread under control. So in other words, Ford has made it clear that his priorities are not about the well-being of all Ontarians, but about, at best, a tiny, tiny fraction of vulnerable people and to prevent the spread of an otherwise harmless virus. These are his goals. These are his priorities over every other consideration in the province, including your livelihood, your health, your kids, everything, your, your whole standard of living. 
We cannot put in-class learning at risk, he says. Why the hell not? My grandkids are at home. Class learning is a risk to our kids because that's where they get indoctrinated and injected with government-created fear and anxiety. We were already talking about this when the kids were dealing with all the climate change BS, which, by the way, this is all part of that same scenario. There's no change. They're on the same track and have been since day one. If in-class learning is a higher priority to this government than leaving people free to earn a living and live a life, then this government is the enemy of the people in a way that cannot be described, right along with the mainstream media that supports it and which is always calling for even more harsh measures. Read the papers. Oh, we got to have more shutdowns. It's not enough. It's never enough. It's never enough. Kill them. Kill them. It's sickening. Since September, following the advice of our health experts, says Ford, we've taken incremental steps. We've taken decisive action to slow the spread by introducing public health restrictions, increasing testing and contact tracing, and enforcement. At the same time, we've invested billions of dollars to increase capacity in our healthcare system. Wow. Well, in other words, Ford has abandoned governing entirely. All he ever does is follow the advice of healthcare experts, quote-unquote, which is suicidal at every level. None of us voted for any of these healthcare experts to rule our lives down, down to the minutia of how many people we can have in our private homes. This is so sickening evil. There are no words to otherwise describe this other obscenity except obscene words, and we're going to be running into a few of those soon. Last week, our modeling showed that if nothing was done, we could face 6,000 new daily cases in the coming weeks, overwhelming our ICUs shortly after that. Really? So what happened to the billions invested in all that increased capacity you just bragged about? Our hospitals never experienced any capacity issues during the last supposed height of the pandemic. What gives now? And as we've demonstrated over and over again on past shows, modeling is other garbage. You can't depend on modeling to predict the future. People make choices. They affect what the models would otherwise project. Thanks to our collective efforts, we've saved lives, says Ford, the collectivist. An outright lie. He cannot produce any evidence, or even a single life, that any collective efforts have saved. That is a metaphysical impossibility, and to utter such gibberish is evidence of pure Marxism at work. Our collective efforts, whatever that is, have harmed and killed people, and we have measurable evidence to that end. But no one ever reports on the real stats when it comes to anything other than coronavirus. But this virus, it spreads like wildfire, says Ford. Well, no, it's not spreading, idiot. It's just showing up in the increased number of tests that are spreading at government expense. Tests that are pretty much useless, by the way, as a tool of stopping any spread of any virus. You know, I recently heard that Elon Musk took four tests in a single day, all administered by the same doctor under the same conditions. Two came back positive and two came back negative. But guess what? Statistically, that would still be counted as two positive. Because that's all that matters to them. It's all so corrupt to the core, it's hard to even let yourself think about it. Now here is a truly insulting statement made by Ford. Quote, I've seen the strength of our people, and it's up to each and every one of us to determine our future, to write the next chapter of our history, and we all have a part to play, end quote. Well, doesn't that sound nice on the surface? Except for the fact that we as individuals 
don't get to write our own part. We all have a part to play, but we don't get to write it. Self-determination is not on this progressive agenda. Then there's this insane set of contradictions. We must all rally around our businesses and our neighbors right now. We must support them. Our government will be there to do our part. We'll spare no expense to support these businesses. I've directed up to $600 million in relief be made available immediately, including help with hydro bills and property taxes. We'll be there for these folks. Businesses can apply today for this relief and for a PPE grant at Ontario.ca COVID support. Isn't that nice? Jesus. It seems to me that sparing no expense and then limiting that expense to a fixed amount is already a contradiction in terms. <laughs> and the help being offered only concerns, again, government and state interests, not the interests of the businesses. We'll pay your hydro bills. Well, hydro is provided by the government. That's handy, isn't it? We'll pay your property taxes. Well, do I need to explain how that pertains to government? And then... They're going to give them a personal protective equipment grant? <laughs> Jeez. Talk about pushing their COVID crap agenda at the expense of the very businesses they're shutting down and crippling. This is... There are no... The evil here is beyond the pale. And get this. And together as a province, we can all make a difference. What? A difference to what? What difference? I'm not looking for difference. I'm looking for freedom, freedom from you guys, freedom that belongs to each and every individual by right, and a right which this government is dedicated to violating daily. Please shop local, he says. But please remember, you can buy the same exact product from a local store. Buy more from local stores. Please do all your holiday shopping through curbside pickup. Does all then any of this make any sense at all? Shop local, but do it online or via curbside pickup. This is utterly insulting and despicable to everyone involved. Talk about waste upon waste upon waste. Support our restaurants and order takeout. And to be clear, geez, to be clear, grocery stores, pharmacies, big box stores will remain open safely with capacity limits to make sure you can access all the goods you need. So please, folks, avoid panic buying. I'm going to repeat that. Please avoid panic buying right now. There's no need to buy more than you need for a week or two. By avoiding panic buying, we can make sure that supply chains are not impacted and there's enough for everyone. I know this is difficult news today. It's not where we want to be, but my friends, I have faith. That is utterly irrational. That's incoherent. So Ford says, please buy, but please don't buy, in the same sentence. And how dare he, again, or any other politician, dare to determine what we may need for a week or two. Maybe I'll shop more because I don't want to go shopping for another month because I have to go put up with all your COVID crap. And by telling people not to panic buy, he's just pretty well telling them it's time to panic. When a politician tells you something like that, you better panic. Ontario will weather through this storm together. Please look out after each other. Please stick together. Stick together? How can he use a term like that when we're all supposed to be two meters apart? When our families can't even have people over? What the hell kind of idiot BS contradictions is this? How can we stick together when we're forced to remain apart? How can we look after each other when doing so results in fines and imprisonment threats? 
to be clear, Doug Ford, you're not being very clear at all. Because at this darkest hour, we see what we're made of. We see what we can endure, and we will endure. We will persevere, and we will get through this. Thank you, and God bless the people of Ontario. Wow. Talk about a Winston Churchill ripoff. Our darkest hour. Give me a break. What the hell is he talking about? Other than the possible consequences of his own actions. Our darkest hour is a flu virus? Jeez, give me a break. I mean... This, you know, there are those who would forgive Ford by arguing that every nation in the world is going through this. But that is not an excuse. It is evidence of Ford's implication in the wider planned political pandemic. It makes him doubly guilty. Because what we've just heard was a United Nations Agenda 2020 being shoved down our throats under the guise of some local threat to our health. Funny how this is happening everywhere around the world in the Western world simultaneously. Exact same rules, exact same... The idiocies are exactly the same. And in addition to all of their fascism, they are pissing away taxpayer dollars by the billions to supposedly support the businesses that they are consciously and purposely destroying without any justification whatever. Hey guys, COVID doesn't cut it. COVID is BS. Jeez. So after their fascism agenda was announced at the November 20th media conference, then they had a communist-style Q&A from the mainstream media, which was done by phone only. <laughs> and only pre-selected media members were permitted to question Ford and his Gestapo comrades. And you know... They get away with all this crap thanks to their being able to hide behind the COVID mask, right? More to come after this. Next question comes from Cynthia Mulligan at City News. Please go ahead. Over the last few weeks, you have been repeatedly saying that it's people having social gatherings, private parties, whooping it up, that are responsible for the spread. Yeah. What in this is actually going to target them. Yeah, we, we put forward the largest fines in the country of $10,000 for anyone who's holding large parties, as uh, Minister Elliott just mentioned. I just, I'm asking everyone, please, uh, just follow the guidelines. That, that's all we're asking. Okay, um, can you say how long you expect these measures to last? And as my teenage daughter just angrily remarked in the background, uh, so I can go to school, but I can't have one friend over in my house. Like, how do you, how do you justify that? I, I fully understand. And tell your daughter, I, I apologize, but this is for the health and safety. Health and safety of her grandparents, for you, Cynthia, for me, for, for everyone. I'll pass it to Dr. Williams. Well, it's a good question, and, and thank you to your teenage daughter for raising the issue, because uh, at this time, uh, we have seen, especially in some of our areas, uh, the 14 to 19 age group uh, coming with the highest rates uh, recently, and we're concerned about that. That means we know they can do their part, have to be really careful, uh, really use the virtual tools that you're so adept and excellent at using. Uh, connect on that. You have your time sometimes if you go to the school for your in-classroom uh, setting with masking and other procedures. So it is a tough one. Uh, if we do this stringently and if we can back off this, this would be great uh, in that. But um, I think it's the youth and that. They can do it. 
I know they have done it before and they can do it again and so we have full confidence and their ability to use uh, social media and other methods, uh, they outshine us all so I think they can make that connectivity really well but it's not easy but we ask them to hang in and do their part too. We're all in this together. Next question comes from Colin DeMello at CTV News. Please go ahead. So you're effectively closing malls in Toronto and Peel region, but you're going to be leaving malls in York region open. Uh, people can't attend their local mosque or their Goodwire and Peel or Toronto, but they can go to one in another region. Yeah. Um, human nature being what it is, and the people are going to travel. Did your government consider any kind of a travel restriction? Yeah, this was discussed in, in depth. Also, uh, uh, places of worship, uh, that was an hour-long discussion. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, and I'm, I'm a big faith believer, and I, I, I support our places of worship like, like you wouldn't believe. At the end of the day, I will listen and always listen to uh, Dr. Williams and, and the health table, and we're always going to listen to the uh, medical advice. Thank you. Um, Premier, just about retail. So you're asking people to buy local, but you're ultimately putting Main Street at a disadvantage here. Uh, sure, there are capacity limits at Walmart and Costco, but they can still hold dozens, if not hundreds of people at a time, while a small store smelling and selling clothing, as an example, can, they can cap it at five people. So if you don't want crowds of people to congregate, wouldn't a smaller store for in-person retail actually be safer than everyone going to Walmart or Costco? Yeah, I, I, I hear you. And again, all these points, Colin, very valid, very good points. I'll pass it to Dr. Williams. So to be clear, in our lockdown in the areas you're concerned about, uh, retail stores are not totally closed. They are open for curbside and delivery. And um, it has surprised me pleasantly of seeing how innovative and how creative they are at dealing with that. And some, uh, one, town, one before was saying, they're so busy on the phones getting orders in, they have to have extra people manning those. And they can hand out probably more at the curbside in a short period than they could have if people came in the stores at different times. So I don't think it's out of the po impossible. I think people need to, if you have your favorite stores, I, th I would like the Premier say, you need to patronize those ones and they need to uh, be available to let you order and then go by and pick up and do it quickly because they've already paid ahead of time. So they're still open for business, whether it's on Main Street or in other settings. And I would uh, recommend that uh, you utilize those ones, as the Premier said, in, as, in the way of virtually as best as possible and to do your curb pickups as you get ready for uh, gift giving, etc. So that's there. It's open and uh, we want to utilize that as maximum way as possible. Last question comes from Rob Ferguson at the Toronto Star. Please go ahead. As, as, as we understand it, you can go into a mall have a 50% custody limit and you can go into, say, an essential store in a mall, like a drugstore or a supermarket, but that other non-essential stores in malls can be open, but only for curbside pickup. So would they have their doors closed and they would have to make an arrangement out in the mall parking lot or on the street for people to pick up goods that they've ordered online or over the phone? And how, how is that going to work? It sounds a bit confusing. I'll pass this over to the Minister of Health or Dr. Williams, either one. 
Well, you are, you are correct, Rob. If uh, the, any of the essential services stores within a mall can be open, a pharmacy, for example, or a grocery store, as you indicated. However, the other stores uh, will be open for curbside pickup only, so you can order online. And it's our expectation that malls are going to have an outdoor location uh, where people can come out and pick up their purchases. They will have been paid for already, but we want to make sure that uh, we don't end up with large groups of people assembling within the malls, but there can be um, places outside for them to come and pick up their purchases. Sounds like there might be some big traffic jams in mall parking lots, um, but I'm going to move on to personal care services. So just to, I, I'm just not sure how far that goes. So that's barbershops, hair salons, nail salons. Is that also um, massage therapists, chiropractors, dentists? Uh, where do you draw the line on that? And um, uh, any clarity is welcome. Thank you. I'll pass this to Dr. Williams. Thank you. Well, well, thank you, Rob. And we're going to be giving details out uh, for those uh, other specifics all along there. And we hope to be getting communications and information out as well as uh, numbers to call for clarification because as you can imagine there's a wide spectrum of different ones that people want to ask the specific questions about and I want to make sure that that is done correctly so I'm not going to go through that list right now but we're going to put those communications and those uh, numbers to call for advice and direction on what it means for this area and for your specific question. You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. You know, it's hard not to notice that all of the answers given by the medical officials were utterly incoherent. But did you notice this? In every case, Doug Ford never directly answered a single question, and they were all questions that had to do with politics and governance, all about the rules and how to follow them. In every case, he passed the question on to a supposed medical official who offered not one single piece of information that was medical, quote-unquote. No one offered any evidence about what it is about this specific virus that should be so feared to any greater degree than the myriad of annual flu viruses we encounter. None of them tried to explain why a case is a threat rather than the cure of herd immunity that was so sought and promised during our first two-week lockdown. All of them, neither businessmen nor politicians, were micromanaging the business being controlled and their customers along with them, even to the point of saying that curbside pickup had to be paid for in advance. How interesting that this should coincide with stated intentions to eliminate cash. Yet another suicidal idea. Think about it. Here's Christine Elliott and other supposed medical officials telling a business person how to run their business, not how to cure a virus. It's their livelihood, and it's their business, and it's their risk, and it's their lives. And along comes some medical sociopath who by declared edict begins to micromanage every aspect of that business owner's assets and effort. This is literally the explicit definition of fascism and is exactly how the Nazis controlled business in Germany. Are they seriously telling us that all of this fascist micromanagement of the economy is going to protect the vulnerable in society? Give me a break. The disconnect between cause and consequence is so immense that it's clear we're being governed by total, complete idiots and utter fools. Now, this next item appeared as a Twitter post two days before Ford's media conference announcing his tyranny. And this one was posted on November 18th by CP24, a news outlet. 
quote, Right now we're staring down the barrel of another lockdown in these regions. Ontario Premier warns new restrictions coming later this week, end quote. To which Freedom Party of Ontario leader Paul McKeever responded, quote, I really can't get over this. This thug is likening a lockdown imposed by his government to staring down the barrel of a gun. He's literally saying that he's pointing a gun at you, Ontario. You should have only two words for him, and the first one begins with an F. This guy's go-to every time is some form of violence. Here it's the barrel of a gun. Other times he's dropping the hammer or pulling the trigger or other such thuggish BS. Enjoy your little big man thing, Doug. You're the biggest blotch on Ontario's history, end quote. And interestingly enough, only two days later, in the midst of his media conference, this happens. This question comes from Natasha McDonald at Radio Canada. Can you give more details about um, uh, fines, penalties? Will you bring down the hammers? People don't uh, listen to these restrictions, abide by uh, the lockdown? I, I don't like, uh, Natasha, using the word bring down the, the hammer, but, you know, people have to abide by the the regulations and the guidelines set forward by the Chief Medical Officer of Health. This is the only way we're going to get through this. He doesn't like to use the word hammer, but this is the only solution to the problem. Only a hammer works to cure virus pandemic. Did you know that? Here all along, we've been foolishly relying on virologists, epidemiologists, readily available treatments, and real doctors and the like. And all we needed was a hammer. Goodness, talk about... <laughs> being a so-called co-idiot. He's also lying to us when he says he doesn't like to use words of violence. He uses them all the time and gets rewarded for doing so by an adoring and fascist media and public alike. And then on November 20th, Doug Ford tweets this, quote, effective Monday, November 23rd, Toronto Public Health and Peel Regional Health will move to gray lockdown level, end quote, to which Paul McKeever replied, F you, tyrant. I hope that people reject you and the anti-constitutional BS that you're attempting to ram down everybody's throats for globalists. Your job is to defend individual liberty. You're failing. You're a jailer. You deserve expropriation and imprisonment. Two days later, Doug Ford posts this, again to Twitter, quote, I know these past few months have been extremely difficult. COVID fatigue is setting in on all of us, but we all have a part to play. <laughs> She's there again. When holiday shopping, please shop locally through curbside pickup or online stores and support our restaurants by ordering takeout, end quote. To which Paul McKeever replied, We're not fatigued by COVID-19. We're fatigued by your abuse of authority, mask mandates, business shutdowns, lockdowns, prison language, literally, bullying retailers. You're a thug who likes the ratings he gets from bullying people. F you. And this time, unlike the first, all four letters of the F word were in the post. <laughs> One of our mutual friends who would never use any kind of colorful language, shall we say, nevertheless retweeted Paul's tweet with the added comment, which I shall paraphrase, quote, a bit vulgar perhaps, but yeah, what he said, <laughs> end quote. And that's exactly how more and more people have recently been expressing themselves, the frustrations going over the limit. It's difficult to find words strong enough to express just how deeply opposed to and offended by this government many of us are. So here's Dennis Prager of Prager U from his much calmer fireside chat of November 19. 
So anyway, I want to talk to you about a number of aspects on the lockdown issue, which I have opposed from the outset. I called the lockdowns the world's biggest mistake, and uh, that was in March or April. And I was uh, condemned, and I was ridiculed, and I was right. <laughs> That's the irony. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not happy I was right, but I was right. Perhaps the most mature question a person could ask about any decision is, what is the cost? What is the price? So if you buy something, the first thing you ask is, how much does it cost? What's the price? You're, you, every time you buy something, you are weighing the benefit of the item versus the cost of the money. That's the way all of life works. So now we come to the lockdown. What's the cost of a lockdown? What's the cost of not locking down? That's the only question that is mature and responsible. So we are only told the price of no lockdown. More people will die. The number of decisions we make in life for society where more people will die is very large. More people will die when we raise the speed limits. You know that? Thousands of people guaranteed, guaranteed every year will die if we raise the speed limit from in America, 55 miles per hour to, let's say, 65, or 65 to 75, and so on. But we still do it. Now, why is that? Because saving a life, while that's the greatest thing an individual might be able to do, that is not the greatest thing that a government should be able to do. A government has much larger questions than will anybody die because of this policy. People die when, when a country goes to war. So uh, you should take the pacifist notion. I'll never fight a war, but there's a price to be paid if you don't fight a war. You get conquered. Now, you, you say, so what? Right? That's a possible option. So what? That, that was basically Gandhi's view. Gandhi was a pacifist, told the Jews not to fight the Nazis. A lot of people don't know it, but you could look it up. It's really remarkable. You'll be a great model to the Germans and to the world if you don't fight the Nazis. Meanwhile, if they didn't fight the Nazis, they got exterminated, which is what happened. Every, uh, every aspect of the, of the lockdown revolves around those questions. So I'd like to tell you some of the costs. The, the tens of millions of people, and this is just America, I, I actually care about the whole world. The vast numbers of people who have lost all of their money, who have no work. Do you know what happens to, to people when no one in the family can earn money? Even if they do get money from the government or from some charity? Do you know why men jumped out of windows during the Depression, the suicide among men? Because when you, especially for a man... When you remove the ability to provide for a family to a man, you have, in effect, castrated him. I'm using a very severe analogy, but that, that's really what, what, what it does. We get a much of our meaning from the ability to provide for a family. 
this, maybe it's right, maybe it's wrong, but that's, that's a big part of our self-image and our identity and our sense of worth. People need a sense of worth. The deprivation of this, I'm not talking about the people, hundreds of millions in the world, according to the UN, uh, that are on the brink of starvation because of lockdowns. Remember, if, if there's no business here, then we're not buying goods from Bangladesh. So the, the, the guy or the woman making stuff in Bangladesh is now, is now impoverished. They, they were making a living until the lockdowns in the West because the buyers in the West stopped buying what they were making in Bangladesh, but the Bangladeshi government doesn't have the money to support them. What do they do? Or India and so many other places. Talking about irrational lockdowns in Africa where there are so few deaths, unbelievably few, they still lock down. And now, and now people, are, again, are back to the brink of starvation in vast, uh, in vast parts of Africa. There was an article in the New York Times about truckers in Africa who, who, who have, have no goods to bring. And if they bring the goods, they have to wait at the border till they get themselves checked for COVID. But nobody's dying of COVID in any large numbers in Africa. It's useless. Sam, 12 years old, Stillwater, Minnesota. Hi, Dennis. Hi, Sam. I was wondering if the left will shut down the country again and make the small businesses fail and what we should do to stop it. So the question is, what could we do about it? Don't listen to the governors. They have no right to tell you you can't make an income. None. They are tyrants. I don't, but you see, we accept the tyranny because it's done in the name of health. Every nation has accepted tyranny. Every nation that has had tyrants has accepted tyranny in the name of something terrific or something they believed in. The current God is health. So in the, for the God of health, we can ruin tens of millions of lives. We could have more people go on drugs, more people become alcoholic, more uh, addicts who are recovering regress and go back to drinking or go back to drugs or go back to gambling or go back to whatever their addiction was. That's okay, because it's all done in the name of health. Safetyism, it's called. So don't listen. This has disturbed me greatly about the American people I had, a, I, I had not only an affection for, but a belief that they, this was a people that really loved liberty. And I turned out to be wrong. The left has done its damage. Americans loved liberty until the last two generations. In the 1968-69, there was a huge uh, 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 epidemic, the Hong Kong flu took the equivalent of 165,000 American lives. Nothing closed down, nothing. It's a different America today because the left has been able to raise two more generations through the media and through academia. To perhaps summarize the frustration and mood of a growing number of people about the shutdowns, I thought I'd share this email from listener Kathy M, who wrote, and I quote, all the constant rule changes are driving me over the brink. 
At the pool hall today, we were informed that we now have to wear our mask while taking our shot. Last four weeks, this was not the case. It appears that the powers that be don't know how to classify a pool hall that serves food. I say it's a restaurant. So today's torture was mask on, mask off. Take a sip of your drink, then walk two feet from your bar table to the pool table to take your shot. Totally effing ridiculous. Staff agrees, as there is social distancing in place. 2020 is going down in history as the year in hell, and unfortunately this will continue until there's a vaccine, which there's no way I will be taking. Then, those who refuse to get the vaccine will be arrested and they'll throw away the key. This planet is doomed due to the government yahoos enjoying this experiment with us being the rats in the maze. Their agenda is beyond evil. Dr. Teresa Tam can shove her effing masks up her ass. Sorry, I know many won't agree with me, but the masks do not work. The virus goes through them. So what's the point? The point is that Big Brother is using us as an experiment to control our behavior, and we're all going along with it. Canadians are sheeple. Pretty soon they'll be putting us on trains to the internment camps, which the government's building right now, and politely asking us, with a gun to our backs, to step into the showers, which will disinfect everyone to keep us safe. We all know how that story ends. The virus doesn't scare me. We're all biological beings, and if you get it, well, you get it. Hopefully your immune system will help you fight it like anything else you catch. F the vaccines, too. My autoimmune system is compromised because of the meds I'm on. They're not shoving a virus in me via a flu shot. What scares me the most are all the rules and regulations to keep us safe. What a bunch of bullcrap. You can go into a restaurant, but you have to keep your mask on until you're seated. Apparently the virus doesn't get you if you're seated. It's an amazing virus. If you stand, then on goes the mask again. Keep social distancing. The virus knows if you are less than six feet or two meters from each other. Does the virus prefer the metric system? Its mathematical ability astounds me. It knows how many people are in your house. So the virus waits to hear what made-up number Doug Barf throws out at a whim. One day, six. The next day, ten. Then no more than 25. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, and the poor kids at school now. Constant hand-washing, mask-wearing, social distancing, etc. The government wants to get the brainwashing started at an early age. Reminds me of the Hitler Youth. Then the little dearies will be snitching on their parents who will be carted off by Children's Aid Society and never to be seen again, and the kids will be raised by a militant state. They are also compromising their immune systems. In future, if this effing nonsense ever ends, and I doubt it, these kids will not be able to fight off anything. Canada is a communist country. We're doomed if there isn't a revolution, end quote. Well, Kathy couldn't agree more. And I must say that I found it fascinating, the uncharacteristic use of the F-word by people I know who rarely use that word in common conversation, which is precisely why we do indeed need a revolution that will inspire us to use and respect an F-word that communists and fascists alike hate. Freedom. And if there's an F-word that applies to Ontario Premier Doug Ford, it is the one that is the most obscene. Fascist. And that's my rant for today. So be sure to join us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right. And be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. <laughs>
Well, look who's here, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Crab. What's the matter, Schultz? You look like a fat popsicle. Please, boys, no jokes. You're looking at a very sick man. I have a terrible... <laughs> Chest cold. Why don't you go on sick call? The doctor doesn't want to see me. He's afraid he'll catch my cold. 